Hello from the Financial Times in New York. I'm Mark Filipino, and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the stories that matter. Shortly before his departure as FT editor, Lionel Barber was granted a rare interview with Angela Merkel, who was also in the twilight of her career. He came into the FT studio to offer his thoughts on the long-serving German chancellor, taking in what she had hoped her legacy would be, and her determination to defend multilateralism, a concept that, in the age of Donald Trump, Brexit, and a resurgent Russia has never seemed so embattled. I began by asking Lionel how she came across in the interview. This wasn't the first meeting with her or the first interview, but this was the first interview with a foreign newspaper or news organization for a long time. And there's a reason for that because she's become a little bit beleaguered, particularly after the refugee crisis, where Germany had taken in more than 1.2 million people in the space of little over a year. And I think she came under unprecedented attack at home. So when I saw her, I was struck by that calmness, but just an edge of caginess. And I think that comes out a bit in the interview. Set the scene for us. Where were you and Ms. Merkel when you spoke and what was it like? Unlike the previous two interviews, we were not in the chancellor's office. And the reason for that is she insisted that the interview was conducted through a translator. And I was a bit frustrated because my German is pretty good. I'd been training beforehand just to refresh. But they are incredibly disciplined about what is quotable, um, how the interview is conducted. That's the way the Germans are. They don't do these free um, wheeling interviews, conversations that we in Britain are used to and I'm used to. And so we met in the small cabinet office that's next door to the full cabinet office with its view of the Bundestag, the old Reichstag building um, in the foreground. This room is next door and you have a, a large window with a great view of the Tiergarten where the zoo is and this mass of green, which you're staring out on, and a panorama of Berlin, and then a large table, and, you know, it wasn't intimate at all. There was a sort of discreet distance. And we talked for just over 45 minutes, and then there was a bit of small talk for 10 minutes off the record. Moving on to some of her political motives as she finishes out, you write that she's both determined to preserve and defend multilateralism. Did she tell you how, both near term and in the future, when she's no longer in power? Well, we've got to remember that we better be careful that she's not leaving like me, stepping down after 14 years at the Financial Times. She's likely to leave next year. I think when it came to her main statement defending Western values, defending multilateralism, defending international institutions and international cooperation. Essentially, she's talking about a Germany which is more engaged than ever. So within the EU, also within NATO. And I think that's an important part, an active Germany, not a passive Germany, which contrasts with the American view, at least the Trump administration view, and I, I've heard that from Trump administration officials where they talk about Germany being an economic superpower with a foreign policy of Switzerland. Yeah, in fact, she does touch on the future relationships between Germany and the UK and Germany and the EU as Donald Trump threatens to punish the EU with tariffs. What role does Ms. Merkel see for the EU now? She sees the European Union she sees the 27 members as the cornerstone of 
German foreign policy, the anchor, if you like, for Germany. She sees the EU as both a vital single market for German goods, as a focus of stability in a dangerous world, but also as a global standard setter, an alternative, if you like, to the Chinese and American model. And she talked about data in that sense, where she says this is not just for private companies, giants, this is for people to own. So she's really setting up Europe, not in conflict with China and America, but as an alternative. Right. And in fact, it's kind of a complicated relationship between Germany and China right now. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, remember that China has been an enormously valuable export market for German companies, for German engineering companies, car companies, chemicals, all this. Germany has been a great beneficiary of the extraordinary economic success story of China. But China is moving up the value chain, and that is beginning to seriously compete with German companies. And also German companies that have been involved in joint ventures have had to give over intellectual property. So this contest, as people move up the value chain, is really weighing on Germany. The second thing to think about is that the advent of the electric car is also going to seriously affect German employment. I mean, there could be hundreds of thousands of jobs going. There was a warning just a few days ago about this. So Germany, having seen China as the great promised land and a great valuable opportunity, it's now seen as a systemic rival and competitor in a way that is quite different from ever before. And in that sense, by the way, there is some common ground between Germany and America and German companies and American companies. The difference is that Angela Merkel doesn't want to confront China like Donald Trump. I think Germany going forward is going to find it much, much more difficult. They've had an extraordinarily successful decade and more, 15 years of prosperity, peace. There were some terrorist attacks, but not as bad as in France or indeed in Britain. But I think it's going to be more difficult for Germany. And I think the Chancellor realizes and aware of that. What does the Chancellor see her legacy as being? She's very sensitive about that. I asked her how she would describe her legacy. Remember that Konrad Adenauer, who was the first post-war Chancellor of Germany, he was associated with a concept in German known as Westbindung, which is the anchoring of Germany in the West, inside NATO alliance and later in the European economic community. Ludwig Erhard was the great Chancellor of the Economic Miracle, Helmut Kohl of German unification, Willy Brandt, Ostpolitik, the engagement with the East during the Cold War, the Communist East. But what was Merkel's legacy going to be? She was rather defensive about that and said, look, that's for historians. I think she's nervous or a little bit sensitive to the notion that she's been the sort of crisis manager, they've been good years, but in the end she'll be defined by this huge gamble, or if not gamble, decision to allow 1.2 million refugees to come into Germany. It changed the whole face of Germany. She got a lot of support internationally for it. It was seen as a great moral gesture. But in Germany, she was abused as never before. And her nickname of Mutti, which is mum, mummy, that's gone. She's seen differently now. 
In fact, some of her critics described her legacy as muddling through. Yeah, there's a wonderful German word for muddling through, which is durchwürsteln, which is it's something like translated as through the sausage. You know, it's like going through a sausage machine, but weaving away. And she didn't like that because she's programmed for compromise, as I wrote, but she doesn't want to be seen as just a split-the-difference politician. She wants to be seen as much more creative, more far-sighted. I think history will judge her to have presided over a period of comfort, prosperity for the Germans, a period when other countries were shaken, and a time when the country became more confident, the new Berlin Republic with the capital there. But history may judge her to have not done even enough, even though she did a lot, and she's a good German, managing a difficult set of coalitions, remember? She doesn't hold an absolute majority with her own party, which is centre-right Christian Democrats. But it may be that history will judge that she should have done even more. That was the FT's former editor, Lionel Barber, on the difficult task facing German Chancellor Angela Merkel during her last few years in office. Her final term ends next year. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on the problem of using men as the default model in data, Greece's new mood of optimism, or how telecoms operators failed in their bid for world domination, you can subscribe and listen on all the usual podcast platforms. Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.